All right, welcome to episode nine of It's Server Time. We have a repeat guest, Yakinder, the 23rd ranked player at Flashpoint 2. But actually, though, Flashpoint champion, congrats, Yakinder. Thanks for dropping by here so much. Let's go. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> By the way, you guys, everybody should just notice that Yakinder is wearing a chain now. That's what happens <laughs> when you play Flashpoint. You make the big bucks. So uh, players, take note. Take note of that. Um, I wanted to start, actually, Yakinder, though, with asking a couple questions, because I got a couple people from Flashpoint, the talent, who had little questions for you. Um, the first is from Anders here, and he wants to know, and we will get, we'll get to everybody's opinions on this, <laughs> I guess, but <laughs> Anders wants to know... Do you think aliens are reals? And Anders wants to let you know that he does think aliens are real. Yo, like, actually, from I expect this kind of a question from Anders because after the after <laughs> I saw the video when he was like the psychi psychi how do you yeah, say it? psychiatrist? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, <laughs> and then basically about the aliens. Well, I mean, I don't necessarily believe in them or think they're real, but. It, could be possible and i just don't care because they're not playing cs and they're not on the server so <laughs> yeah i don't know if you've seen that article that's floating around with like the i think it was the israeli prime minister or something saying that they've yes. been in contact with aliens Man, Dude, i was waiting on. to see anders's tweet about that i was just waiting and he did one today and it was hilarious <laughs> so it was worth the wait honestly <laughs> yes I feel like it's crazier to believe at this point that aliens aren't real and they actually are real, you know. But but the question is, have they been in contact with us? I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know about that one if either. They, if they haven't been on the server, your Kinder doesn't even care. <laughs> they're not frag. If they don't frag out, what's the, what's the point of even talking to them? Um, second question uh, is just Haka. He wanted to know what's the deal with your opening kill discrepancy from different sides, and I think your T side opening kill was really good. Or no, 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 your CT side was really good, but your T side fell off. Uh, but you were still, you still had the most attempts of anybody in Flashpoint 2 by far. Okay, so I have a good reasoning behind this. Actually, like, um, it's a pretty, pretty much like the, my CT spots are the, all, all of my CT spots across, uh, across all the maps. Uh, they are the uh, spots that always get first contact, mostly, right? So there's not always an opportunity to get an entry kill, and uh, depending on the enemy, I always can try to try to get them and and win a duel or something. But on T side, on some of the maps, I'm actually playing more a support a supportive role. And uh, for example, on Inferno, on um, on Inferno as T side, um, I spent you know, especially on Flashpoint, I spent a lot of uh, time playing the, the default where I'm just holding flashes for banana. And Kicker and Buster are the ones uh, actually aggr aggr getting aggressive and uh, finding those opening kills. So it depends on the map, depends on the spots, and um, depends on the default or round that we are running on this side. So it's not always that I have an opportunity, or uh, or uh, not always the Jam agrees with uh, my um, initiative at the start of the round. So. Hmm. Okay. Let's get into Flashpoint. Let's uh, let's hop in, and we're gonna start with the grand finals here. So this was actually ended up being a rematch from what was your guys' winner group match. 
VP versus OG. You guys won it in three. Um, you guys lost on Mirage, which was their pick, but then you kind of slammed them on train. They did They did come back a little bit on the second half, I'll say, but that, that felt completely in control for you guys throughout the whole thing. And then Inferno, again, it felt like you guys kind of owned them, but then this got a little bit dicey because they started... They really did start coming back. Uh, it was... I mean, it was 15 to 12 at one point. And I want the first thing I want to ask is, when when they were starting to come back slowly on Inferno, did it feel like they were going to do it? Did, was there a pressure? Like, because there was a round, I think 15-11 or 15-10, where you guys had five people at A, and then and they all went up porch side, and you guys lost. And that was when it was like, oh, the choke might happen. But how did it feel like in your guys' camp? Uh- we try try to neglect that pressure. So I'll tell you like why it came so close in the end. First, we won pistol. We lost second round. Yeah. So they we we were going three but three bananas. CT Sanji came late rotation because he got delayed on B, which he shouldn't have. We actually analyzed like our finals after the finals, so we already know like what 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 we did wrong. So we lost the fourth round, and when you lose the fourth round, and nobody of us survived, you have one thousand five hundred to like one thousand nine hundred to yeah. for each players. So we need to double eco to actually get like um, utility and have a chance in the round. So we can't fully, especially if you want to have nades on the on the on the buy round, you can't fully force. So we half half bought, but like left eight hundred dollars for first round, stacked A, they didn't go A, but like. What helped us actually um, keep the game mentally in our favor is that the all the eco rounds, all the force rounds, we didn't give up a, like a single easy frag. We always played really passive. Let them use all the utility. Let them out outthink themselves. You know, let them actually play slow and like check all the sides. We were just sitting on A and chilling because we were like. We know that they are under pressure. They're the team that that needs to come back, and that helped us uh, mentally control the game. And uh, second reason why it came came so close is what was the when Jame got double kill on Banana. When they rushed to Banana with four, they had shit money. We knew they had they had shit money, and that was actually my mistake because I was behind Sandbags. They double naded me. And uh, I was in the yeah. wrong spot behind sandbags. I needed to go. I needed to stand like by f- uh, close to the far wall, so mm-hmm. I don't get killed by double nade. Because we expected, we knew what's coming. And James especially got the two kills. And uh, again, we lost the economy. We needed again to du- to like play double eco. Um, if I'm not mistaken, we played four ecos that uh, that CT half, even though it wasn't a full full half. So that's that's just how it was and uh, the round with 5 it was just unlucky if i if i won the duel with apps against nbk uh, we would have won, won that round and won the game uh pretty fast yeah i remember you were the first kill on that round yeah, yeah. i'm just curious about the vetoes going into the final because like you didn't you played two of the same maps but you didn't have dust two in there as a decider and then you guys sort of changed your pick to train instead of inferno can you touch a bit on like what your process yeah. was going into that well, I mean, uh, as I said previously on like Flashpoint interviews, uh, like uh, if I'm not, not mistaken, Maui, you asked me about uh, when we picked 
vertigo against yeah. big yeah. that uh, if we are like spicing up the map pool and not picking only those two in inferno right so against og we know we know that we all, all of our maps are strong and we know that, that they're the two is strong their inferno is strong so it's not so it's really stupid to pick up the uh, pick pick into those two maps because it's going to be a third map decider either way right one of the, those uh, one of one of the maps and uh, we knew that the weakest uh, map that they actually play is train because mm, i don't know we just watched how they, they play they play train and uh, yeah we we knew that they couldn't cut they were they were their style of play on ct side is is not uh, gonna work against us so oh. they, they needed to change it change it up but we know that they probably didn't expect train or maybe yeah. expected it but didn't like uh, fully commit to uh, like uh, getting ready I'm, for train you know yeah i'll take a stab at it because i don't know if you want to reveal your own game plan or anything but i feel like on train you guys always need got anytime a couple things like one you guys are crazy at slowing rounds down and two when you came out with the e-box and sandwich smoke every time and just took duels out there you were finding entry frags so consistently because they always played behind your guys smokes like i feel like that's you so you guys kind of ran what fanatic do with brolin a lot where you get you guys could actually kind of run the same thing but brolin runs a more uh kind of complex route than you you kind of just swing right a lot of the time brolin kind of goes in and out of the trains a lot of the time sometimes golden does it as well and og have this problem where i feel like they just don't take initiative on ct side on train it, yeah yeah that's the point actually because um if for example um like to play against rt side you need to play as we play on ct yeah we all we always take sandwich control we always uh uh, are checking the the sandwich elix smoke always trying to find the information uh, there if somebody's out somebody's not out teams like fnatic and uh, and uh, og they have both similar um like um playstyle on ct side because uh, a lot of the times one of the guys for example brolin or uh, og side is right they were running in uh pop dog like mm -hmm. uh, in ladder in ladder as first one like all the time but that the second guy that uh, they have on ct side for example it was crims and uh, nbk yeah um they're staying behind the smokes and not checking anything and they're not doing the, like i i knew that that uh, i had so many possibilities like running around there and as well because they're i really Mad Lions actually shut us shut us down because they didn't care about the utility. They th threw five Molotovs, four Molotovs, three Molotovs, like so, so we couldn't go out right with those smokes, and they just didn't care. And they, th then they stacked B and won the won the round. Like, yeah. But uh, Fnatic and OG aren't th those kind of teams that are gonna waste utility. You know, in their in their heads, they're wasting utility if they if if they throw like yeah. this. But if they're not doing the control plays. They need to waste utility, otherwise they're gonna lose the round because of it. Mm -hmm. So that's mostly Yeah, on Ulti Nine when we would play train, like in our pregame, like for our prep for train, we would kinda of look at like what the best way to do that. Like the best way to like go out of team main was, you know, depending on how the CTs watch it, you know, like sometimes opping from like back six or whatever. Or you know, sometimes you just swing out right like you do a lot. 
And so, like, we'd always prep, like, to find out, like, like, what the best route against a certain team was. And by far, like, that would we would always have success. Like, that shit's so hard to stop on train when you're just running outside and teams aren't, like, actively, like, throwing, like, five HEs at you and, you know, like, four mollies at you at the start of the round that, like, actively deterring you from doing it. And, like, when teams would just sit back and just kind of do nothing, like, we would just own them. we just get, like, 10 T-side rounds on train, but yeah, yeah, teams would, like, try to pressure us or, like, like, try to go through the smokes or, like, just constantly try to fight us, actually. And, you know, like, deter us from, like, doing it and, you know, try to do something else. That's kind of when our T-sides would get shut down. Yeah, that's the problem. They're allowing T-side to, to control the game, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I notice you, for example, I feel like there's, for every team... Eh, not every team, actually, but for a lot of teams, there has to be a guy that's like you, where basically, if they throw a sandwich smoke, you almost throw your own smoke, like, left side, um, whatever, what, what's the train called? What color is it? Blue, blue train. train. Left, yeah, left blue train towards T-Con, and so you can kind of isolate the angles a little bit. Yeah. Um, or times people even just throw, like, a sandwich smoke that's, like, deeper, almost, like, between blue and red train, but, like, whereas the... The yeah, ones so, the so throw, can, yeah. So can they go as in sandwich and then they're not afraid of T-Man? Yeah. It it actually yeah, it just makes like a smoke sandwich and you just hide yeah, out yeah. in the middle of it. Yeah. Um Okay, I wanted to talk about how okay, so you got a lot of entries. I feel like your T side everything worked for you guys, but I actually wanted to ask you a question about Kicker, because I feel like he he's someone I highlighted in the pregame, and then he still like and he showed up in the exact way that I felt like he would, where if your guys' opening plan fails on the on train, which is usually involving you, uh, Kicker always is like your bailout guy, whether he's at Pop Dog or at Box Hall. Like, what what makes him so good at this? Because I feel like in the mid round, like, doesn't even matter. It was literally a two v five with him and Sanji, and you guys beat OG. Like, how how does Kicker do this shit? Is how does he get away with this? Um, well, of course, uh, he's a really great great player that's the first part and the second part is we played all a hell of a lot of officials uh oh not officials practice matches scrims especially on train for example and uh, when there's so many situations like this you and uh, for example kicker didn't do the play on b when i died on on a and i say like 4a or something for example um after we talk about it, we analyze it. If it's good for kicker to go out, if it's uh, in which situations he needs to do it, if in which situations he can afford to do it. So it's just matter of overall practice on that map and uh, just individual skill as well. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of different situations that he bails you guys out of. Um, this just came in. I'll, actually, I'll save it to the end of OG discussion. Uh, because we got a question for Bardoff, because I asked the other Flashpoint talent something, but uh, I want to just wrap up this OG topic. I feel like um, on Mirage, though, it it just didn't it didn't look that good for you guys. Did you guys you guys should have expected them to pick that, right? Yeah, we know we know they're gonna pick a Mirage, but they thought they're gonna play against uh, my style of play that I played last time against against them. Yeah, but the like two buy rounds that we won, I was actually playing the style that I played before against them, and I feel like that they didn't do anything against it, and if I just... I was like mind gaming. I was yeah. thinking like, okay, okay, they're they're gonna play against me, I'm just gonna beat, like, in ladder room, third B, I'm gonna play close pit with Kickert, and I'm not gonna show up in mid, like, any any of the round. 
but uh, <laughs> I feel like they were just not, they just didn't care and they thought like, oh, it's, it just was only one game or whatever, but okay, next time. Yeah. We'll see. So, but so I mean, like, there was like a... out countered yourself more than they countered you, you feel like. Yeah, and like, uh, I'm not gonna lie, I was a, a, like uh, a little bit nervous as well on the first map because uh, first final, like uh, this kind of a final, and uh, my game wasn't like that uh, crisp and uh, good as it should be, and uh, just didn't feel confident at first half. At second half, it was pretty fine. I started feeling the game and I started getting confidence. But uh, yeah, mo mostly just some unlucky timings and uh, just my individual poor performance. Because a lot of um, base on Mirage is getting from the connector player on CT side. And if your connector player doesn't deliver, it's uh, really hard to play a CT side. Mm hmm Yeah. Um, one last question about the OG one, then. Uh, was there anybody in the server that you really felt their presence? I feel like Valde was the guy we were hyping up all tournament, and he was playing really well, but he didn't do as well in the tournament. I feel like it was kind of Montu really showed up. In the, especially in the finals, you mean? Yeah, yeah, in the finals. Again, yeah, yeah. Guys. I'll tell you why. We picked Train. Yeah. Valde playing B on Train. It's uh, like, he, like... The problem for Valde is I feel like he's an insane player, actually insane player. Like he's really good, especially when we first lost against him. Like he on the group stage, I was hella feeling like Valde playing against me on Inferno. We played on the stool, right, and mm -hmm. and the Mirage. I was I was feeling that uh, we were playing against Valde, but um, on Inferno, Inferno, oh, I mean Train B side, it's really hard to deliver something like uh if you want to like so he was capable of winning rounds like alone right because he was he's in such a great form now and he plays really good but on train it's really hard you can't do those yeah, holding train enter like solo. consistently is like pretty much impossible like you're not yeah. especially alone like you're not gonna be able to hold it every time it's just yeah that's, the, that's there's too the many point. angles like, there's too many things to clear like yeah, that's the point. Uh, for example, as you Mario mentioned, like uh, I was going out on the sandwich elix smoke. Mantu d is not allowed. Uh, like I, w I was showing my presence there. Mantu doesn't know how much players because they don't have info, and uh, he he's not allowed to rotate to B. And then there's Balde alone against four people. And <laughs> how how do like I mean one round he actually killed four like last rounds or something. Yeah. So, yeah. but like uh, it's really hard to deliver at that point. And Inferno, I believe it was just uh, the mental game already after um, after after train. Yeah, time. just being out of it a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it felt like that. Okay, that's yeah. I I think that is okay. I think that's the biggest flaw with OG's game is that they. Valde is their best player, like flat out, and and he plays all the spots that are just like. Long A does too, ramp on nuke, B on train, uh, he's the B anchor on Inferno, which isn't that bad, but like, you know, it, and, but he does play, I think he plays connector on Mirage though. Um, uh, yeah. So, so that's like, that feels like one of their best maps because he gets to actually play a spot where he's super involved. But yeah, he's it, a, he's actually yeah. putting a lot of impact as well on that map. He's uh, constantly pushing under, constantly like playing aggressive mid and, uh, 
helping out his team on other maps. He just doesn't have an opportunity to do that as much. Yeah, it's similar to uh, 100 Thieves, like a few months ago when JKS was kind of like card carrying. And I kind of saw 100 Thieves moving like JKS away from ramp on Nuke more to like playing like outside for a bit, you know, like trying to get him more involved and have some more impact. I feel like it's also similar to just mouse sports because they play ROPS in or on, on train as well. Yeah, it's but just like sometimes ROPS, ROPS is really effective as an inner player though. Like he, the way that they control their aggression inside is just, excuse me, it's just like they're, they're very good at utilizing his aggression with the right timings and on the right rounds. Whereas I feel like OG just doesn't do the same thing with Valder. Like they don't, they don't get as aggressive inner and they don't like, play off of him as well. But even then, like, Rops... Like, Rops and Valde are just way too good to be playing the anchor site like B, I feel like. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Rops is actually getting uh, more freedom at the moment, mm -hmm. it seems like, because, uh, well, like, after Bemis joined, Bemis actually can, like... Uh, for example, I saw a lot of... Um, so, for example, Rops now plays Connector on Mirage. That's fucking awesome for him, right? So, uh, on Inferno, Bemis can actually replace Rops on uh, on Pit if Rops wants to do something aggressive on mid, on brackets, right? On CT side. So, he gets a lot of space because the team actually feels that... Rob, Rob, for me, Rops is like top 5 player, at least, uh, this year. He's yeah. really good mecha mechanically. Like I'm watching a lot of his, a lot of his demos, like uh, strafes and all shit. He's really good, and um, he just. Uh, the problem is, uh, only pro only bad role for him I see is. Uh, I'm not sure where where he plays nuke because we don't play nuke, and I didn't watch a single game of nuke. But uh, on he still plays ramp. Ramp, ramp, and inner on, on train. I feel like those two spots are uh, a bit um, locking him down in terms of uh, his his uh, impact in the game. Yeah. Valde at ramp is like kind of weird because I don't know if I'd want anybody else there because he literally got two kills every single gun round. I saw he was challenged against like everybody he's played at, at Flashpoint and, and recent tournaments too. So it's like if you can always get two at ramp, that is just insane value. But And survive it, as well. Yeah. That it was it was insane. It was just crazy watching him play. That. I think more recently, teams kind of like treat the ramp player like as a lot more of a rotator. Um, at least with yeah. some teams that I he would go like secret sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah it like depends seems... on the style of the defense. Yeah, even though like... I don't play nuke, so I know some yeah. stuff about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like sometimes <laughs> like you'll just let the like the ramp guy go secret, or like he'll just leave ramp and like help CT and like do CT smokes and stuff. So mm -hmm. with a lot of players, it's it's like lenient. Some players still just kind of stay there the entire round, which I feel is just kind of a waste. Waste, I agree. You know? Um, okay, let's uh, move off the finals uh, and get into Bardoff's question. So Bardoff wanted to know, when the big lands are back, do you think you'll be able to perform the same in front of huge crowds on huge stages? Well, I mean, I haven't big, been, been like to big, big lands or something, but I've been to a lot of like lands. And for example, Dreamhack Delhi, like the Kibanja Luka, I played a lot of uh, Baltic lands. I played Russian lands. I played. Uh, I, don't know, I I was in uh, Thailand in Bangkok for the Toyota, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I always perform on land more than you know online because for me it's a bit. 
card getting the or getting the thoughtfulness when you're like the focus that you get on land because mm-hmm. of the environment and the surroundings and you all you're in the game fully focused on home you're just you're treating it like a practice and you don't feel the necessary attention from yourself to the game you know and yeah. uh, i believe that uh, obviously like avangar already showed that they're fucking amazing on on land obviously and i believe that i'm as well as a lot stronger on land so i believe uh, we could we could we could show, show some great results if do you think your so. style of play applies better on land because i know that art has said before that he finds being like super aggressive easier on land because it tends like teams either tend to have a little bit more hectic comms just based on the pressure yeah or like if you're in a crowd there's a lot more noise so you can you can make some aggressive plays that necessarily won't get heard by other teams yeah it's actually like uh golden um talked about this in the hltv confirmed if um, i'm not sure if you somebody saw uh, he was talking about like the meta change of fnatic uh, when the online era started right so he was talking about that their playstyle of the game at the start wasn't working because people now sit home, they hear every stuff you do, they, their comms are fucking perfect today because they hear every flashbang, every step you, you do across the map, right? On lands, you just run, you can, if you re- rewatch like big, big lands, you see there was a round, uh, I'm not sure, it was French French team against someone on those two. They were running like uh, from T spawn to to top mid, Xbox smoke with tech nines running all the way short. Nobody hears the shit, <laughs> and they're just dropping CT and winning the round. For, like first fifteen seconds of the round, first fifteen seconds they're just doing it, and it's it's working because of the because uh, of the crowd. People don't hear they don't the miscoms as you said. It's uh, and the aggressive plays are uh, even more. How do you say it? Not risky, you know. Not impactful. Like I mean, obviously, impactful. Aggressive plays are impactful in any uh, meta of the game, in online or in LAN. But I mean, uh, they're not as risky because you're not risking the like. On on online, people are focused on that, and uh, on land, they can lose focus. They can be nervous. They can be pressured. They can be there are a lot. The, of, uh, the other team doesn't of... give as much info, get as much info out of it. Yeah. Even if they might hear a step, they might not even calm that. It's just too much going on. Okay. Yeah. I I was gonna to answer for you for James's question a little bit. I was gonna say the fact that a Vanguard has been to a major finals at this point. I I feel like that's just like. Even if even and I know you've been to lands, but even if you weren't experienced at lands, it's like okay, you have four guys that have been to the last major finals, so it's like y- y- they already are super battle tested in that regard. So yeah, they, the fact, uh, yeah. they won an epi- uh, like not epicenter blast or something blast, yeah, blast mm-hmm. they won, yeah. So like I'm, yeah, f- major finals, winning blast, all lands, it's clear- clearly experienced players. Yeah. All right, let's move to actually the game against Fnatic then. Um, this one <laughs> was this one was crazy. Um, this was probably one of the uh, overpass for me personally was probably one of my favorite maps of the entire tournament <laughs> because that was just such a brutal comeback that you guys pulled off. 
Um, you guys lost your map pick of Vertigo. Ah, they were up. Like, was it? Oh, God. What was the score? Maybe 13 to 13, 8? 13 7. Okay, 13 7. And, and then you won. The six... by. <laughs> yeah, and then you guys won 16 to 14. That, okay, that one was just nuts. You played really well in that one also. Um, and then you guys won train, and you guys just slap them across the face on train. Um, but I want to talk about, I, I will start with Vertigo. We'll start with Vertigo there because uh, why do you think that didn't work out for you guys? Uh, well, I mean, Vertigo was uh, mostly a test pick against Big and Fnatic. We. Huh, okay. We, we know that. Like, I mean, we knew that Fnatic. Like, it was hard to pick something against Fnatic because uh, they don't play. Vertigo you, happens say, so much. You just don't know what to pick, and like, you just like this happens with yeah. my team too. We just end up picking Vertigo, and like half the time it doesn't fucking work out. But there was no other pick. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no like, better time to test a pick than a one million dollar tournament upper bracket final. Upper, yo, it is yo, upper bracket at least. Yo, yo <laughs> but we a- we actually got so much like uh, improvement on Vertigo because of the two t- two lost maps against Big and Fnatic. We already talked about it. We already analyzed it. It's gonna be a fresh new map. We're gonna mm-hmm. just steamroll. But like, uh, I mean, the thought thought process against Fnatic, right? Uh, why we picked Vertigo? Uh, they started playing Vertigo after nu- uh, they stopped playing Nuke, right? But they played Nuke. And we're not allowed to leave Nuke because they're going to pick Nuke into us because we didn't play Nuke a single time. Well, they've, they've at, le- at least played it like half a year ago, right? So that was the problem. So they banned the stew. We wanted to pick the stew if they didn't ban it. And then we only saw the opportunity to pick Vertigo because we felt like they're not so strong on vertigo but their style, style style is actually pretty pretty good for that map sd side especially right so like one goes there one goes there one goes there and every map like just crawl slowly crawling into the enemy team and um basically i i believe we lost uh we won pistol on ct side and we lost uh second round again and that's why I think my main thing for you guys was just like you you guys didn't have a very good CT side. You guys went three and eight on the CT side, uh, and I don't. I kind of like. I'm telling you, we lost the second round after pistol, and then yeah, I guess you have a, one one thousand six hundred money, and yeah. you can can't do anything. You're you should should be double echoing, and it's already three rounds you're giving up. Mm-hmm. Okay, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, fuck Vertigo. Okay, let's get to the exciting part. Okay, so when it was 13-7 against Fnatic on Overpass, you guys had a pretty much like a force buy, or like a half buy, basically. Yeah. I think Sanji had a gun, and I think the rest of you guys were all on pistols. I had Tech, Sanji had a Galil, yeah. And we yeah, okay, so basically Galil and four pistols, and you guys even lost the first pick on that one, I think. I think it was JW got a kill or Brolin got a kill at long. And you guys just swarmed the bomb site and literally just killed everybody. And I feel like you had no reason to win that round. But maybe if I watch it back, maybe you guys had a flash or something like that that enabled it. It was... We had actually, uh, we had double flash. Okay, you guys had, you so, guys had so, a flash. So, so, so okay. there was an idea behind that round, obviously. And yeah. when we were p- pushing a, a, a site, that flash actually won us the round. Because... Uh, I don't remember which player, but uh, you know the truck on the right side where the CT stairs are. Yeah. And there's the corner where where you hide and you see like default. 
uh, uh-huh. entrance. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, the, that double flash engaged Sanji to enter the site, and that guy was full blind, Long was full blind, and I actually killed one guy on one way on default before that. So both of the players full blind, Sanji getting one, trading second one on Long, and it's impossible retake for them. And uh, the, the problem that I felt uh, on overpass for them was that they didn't treat their economy. They lost so many guns that they needed to, to save, and yeah. that's why they had the, no pressure in the rounds that they could have, have have been having the pressure and could be saving money for full uh, utility. Okay. I was going to bring this up later, but I'll just do it now because I feel like it's an interesting topic and we don't. there's not too much more to say about Fnatic because you guys just steamroll them on train, is that I feel like you guys are legitimately the best with money in the game right now. I feel like probably, I mean, like probably like Astralis or something like that is really good with their econ also. But right now, you guys literally always save as many guns as you can. And like, I mean, people memed about it before how Jam used to save all the time, but I think you guys took that concept to another level in terms of like, holy crap like you guys really worry about like having three live all the time uh you know if, if you can't if you don't think you can retake that bomb site you won't you just won't do it at all um uh, and i feel like when it got down to it on especially even in the grand finals every time you guys saved you guys pretty much like full saved to the point where you you spent just enough like it's like everybody just knew how much they're supposed to spend and i feel like that's something where a lot of pro teams if you watch this one guy buys like a deagle and armor when he could have just bought like a p250 and a smoke and half armor and it would have saved that extra money for an extra flashbang or something like that what do you mean is it on the round with that <laughs> yeah exa- no exactly that's that's what we all have been watching for literally like six years of watching this game now that there's always some player or players on teams that just do it every time and i feel like that's something you guys have just really keyed in on and focused on is that i mean I don't think this should be so much of a secret, but like, does do you feel like you guys have unlocked something with this? Because it's just so refre- it's refreshing as an analyst to watch it and see a team just like care that much about it. I mean, you said you said the right uh, word, focused. So, uh, so we actually spend a lot of time in practice focusing on that aspect of the game, of the economy, of the utility usage, of the savings and not savings, and um, many of that things right and uh das dastan is actually his like mindset is that mm, guys don't worry stack f- you, you can you can stack 4a if they go b just save you have another another chance at the next round it's like like this this kind of ma- mindset and this kind of a voice that always reminds you of this it uh, just helps you stay fully focused and not give up stupid stupid like uh, economy economy like that's and uh, etc to me it feels almost like a, the next evolution of how navi used to play like with the number of bombsite stacks that zeus used to call just out of nowhere except you guys are a lot better at like actually saving after that um and also in general like your your mid rounds and the way you play overall is like another evolution of it but the the Bombsite stacks that you got, you call and you guys are more willing to save just allows you to just keep trying again at rounds and trying new ideas like over and over. And I think keeping up that sort of pressure is something that not enough teams are doing. Yeah, uh, so what I want to say is like from my perspective when I wasn't in uh, Virtus Pro, so where we were, I was playing uh, 
in Pro 100, we were playing against Virtus Pro, and uh, that was Rio ESL Road to Rio. Uh, yeah, like uh, RMR tournament. We won Virtus Pro 2 0, but it's always so hard to 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 play you always feel pressure there's no these only five usps rounds there there's always either like people could meme as much as they want about about jam but they don't understand how hard it is to play against you know they have four pistols but they saved on saved an op and you yeah. can't go for the peaks <laughs> that you should you could be going when they have five pistols right and constant pressure you can't take jumps somewhere for example on overpass you you you, you gave up banana control for example yeah a ct side and you you want to check banana but what if jame is holding it with the op like right and like four pistols mm-hmm. are crawling crawling toilets jame gets an entry four pistols run in take your gun trade 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 and they win the round because of it it's like it's uh, it's actually next level not many teams use this and not many teams understand the value of uh, of the constant mental pressure on the enemy. Yeah. I feel like the only team who does it like somewhat equally would be Astralis because they have device safe as up a lot and the number of opening picks he gets on rounds like that is it's it's equivalent because he'll get an opening pick, you'll have like Dupree go and get the AK or the M4 that got dropped or something and then you have two guns and it just builds from there, right? So having that sort of like that big of an impact weapon still on the board even on full USB rounds like that is just it's always going to give you an inherent advantage in the way yeah, you're forcing the team to play. We actually, uh, as well, learn a lot from Astralis. So, like for us, they're still top one team in terms of many things, like things that other teams, uh, other teams don't have. Like in terms of like teams can win against Astralis, like with raw aim or something, right? Like winning like duels mm-hmm. all the time. And but like the way that Astralis play in the distance. It's a lot better than the team that is uh, focusing on their individual skill. For example, I heard uh, Golden on uh, like the confirmed episode as well, talking that they were focusing on their individual skill on the online era and playing a lot uh, around yeah. that individual skill. But in the long t- in the long yeah. run, I don't feel that it's gonna give you the results you want to have. The pain and Astralis so much is, to hear and Astralis that. is just next level with this. But I feel like I feel like it's fine, like maybe in Fnatic's case, because I feel like they do know how to play like on land. Like when it comes back to it, like they, like they had to switch their style like to more to something that works better online, because it obviously wasn't working at first uh, in terms of just trying to play the normal stuff. But but he he said he wants for the online for online CS he wants people to improve on their individual skill, which made me so like they've been saying that for months now that that's kind of their game their game plan to get better in the online era is to focus on individual skill. I feel like that in itself is just so... Yeah, I don't know what right. that means exactly. Yeah, it depends, it depends right. like what that means exactly and like how they actually like go about that. But like, yeah. in terms of like if how they're actually focusing on that, but if they're actually focusing on it on a way that like is like opening up more opportunities for individuals or something or more freedom like in the game, then I think that's pretty valid, especially in the online era. But yeah, I would, it would just have to be like... I have to know like specifically what they mean by that rather than just yeah we're just focusing on our our skill we're just dming <laughs> more <laughs> we're dming three hours a day <laughs> um i will say 
that it worked for JW. Whatever the hell he did for this tournament was crazy. Like, oh, dude, seeing JW he, get 34 frags in a map was amazing. And lose. And lose. I guess yeah. so, G Yo, but that was... That round against Forzby that they lost, that was the like key round. OG won some pivotal four spies in a lot of their series. They won actually. against us as well. Um, yeah. I remember one on train they won against us. Yeah. On CT side, so imagine if they if if we uh, like converted that force buy into a win for us, yeah, mm -hmm. it would be like fourteen one. Yeah. Half. Yeah, so I've had it, I've had like I've had like the same op for four years, which is and it's called be the JW you want to be, just because seeing you know prime JW <laughs> in 2015, 2016, just running around with the op, just doing whatever he wants and just like peeking everything, which is my favorite thing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious to hear, though, um, from your perspective, from everybody's perspective, really. Do you guys think that... So Fnatic came in third at this tournament, and they lost to OG. Do you guys feel like these teams rematch each other a lot? Like, I, I don't know what you guys caught of it, but did that feel like the Fnatic we were supposed to see? Or do you guys think... I mean, OG won, and so they, I think they deserve it in that respect. But, like, the second map of Overpass was 16-5, to 5, and it just felt like Fnatic never even played were playing the game. Like, yeah, but, I, like... Uh, that just happens, though. I mean, you if you... It looks like that after Fnatic gave up the our, uh, comeback on 13-7 that we played against them on Overpass, it just uh, hit, hit them in the head, you know? Like, uh, I'm not... Mm, yeah, it. yeah, just stuck in their head a bit, and especially after they lost that Mirage on OG uh, after against. Yeah, OG. they they lost the, the second, comeback there too. Yeah, the second half, the second map is just it's uh, devastating to play because of your if you don't mentally reset, which is really hard sometimes, especially when I don't know you're tired of playing or something. It's just yeah. overwhelming at some point. Yeah, yeah. I, I will give credit to OG in that matchup because they really shut down Flusha at B with a lot of different tactics. I I did see one time where I think he 100% should have killed like NBK who swung out of connector um, and killed him. And I was like, okay, Flusha, you were ready for that, but you still missed the shot. But other than that, they did throw some good stuff at him. So I think I, I would say it's deserved, but I... Uh, yeah, I think everybody in the Flashpoint camp is always just like, is this going to be the time? Is is Fnatic going to play at 100% throughout the whole tournament? And then they just they just can't. They just don't. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like if they don't yeah. hit their if they don't hit their like 90 100% region, then they they just start struggling like very fast cuz if yeah. Crims isn't one of their top two players in a server, I feel like they lose the consistency that they usually have. And yeah. they didn't have him in these last two series that they played. Mm -hmm. That's that's the problem with their like individual style because they don't have uh, things to hold on to in their rounds and uh, they don't have these. Uh, sometimes you just need those robotic calls that you just know from the start to finish to actually like close it close close it out. You know. That's what I've been saying for this entire online era. That I feel like the best teams always have like more set plays. I feel like. At the beginning of the online era, G2 was the best team because they were anti-stratting the fuck out of everybody and they had so many set pieces. 
Then it became big was like the best team for a while because they just literally counter. They did the same thing. They just anti-strated everybody and had so many set plays that were just like based off of game plans where they found weaknesses in the opponent's whatever their structure. And then now it feels like you guys are looking really sharp because I would say you guys have a decent amount of set plays and like always, but you always carve out a win condition for yourselves in a round. And you also because you put so much pressure on the opposing teams, it's almost like they are surely going to crack. And also, you are never going to choke. It's like, I mean, I don't want to jinx you guys in the future, but I feel like you guys are just never going to choke a lead when you have like a 15-8 because you will literally give your guys, you guys, you guys will spend the perfect amount of money to make sure that you will put pressure on the opponents, but also you will have enough money for the gun round to do anything you want to do. So you don't have to like limit yourself or just play like, like I never, I'm never going to see you guys up 15 to, to 9. And then, like, three rounds later, I'm going to see half-armor M4s and one smoke each. Like, you guys will never fucking do that, ever. Yeah, but it it, it all came out of, out of uh, like, one, in September, we lost a crazy comeback against Gambit on those two. On, okay. Like, online tournaments, so we were up 12-3 T-side those two. Uh-huh. Uh, then it was 14-5, if I'm not mistaken, and we lost 16-14. <laughs> okay, I didn't catch that. I watched you guys during the qualifier and then throughout this whole tournament, and I that's that's the results I'm going off of. Like When I watched those, that's where I was like, okay, you guys really know how to close out games, but I guess that, that, one, that one I didn't see, so... But I mean, going back to what, what you said earlier, too, it's like when you have something like James Op always... Like, uh, like always a factor in most of these rounds, then you're going to minimize the number of set plays that teams that do have a strap book can do. Like you're going to inherently just minimize the the sort of free round plays that some teams make against pistols. Yeah. And it, that pressure is just going to, it gives you an advantage regardless. All right, let's move to you guys next series. Uh, VP big. This is the one where... I, I didn't bet on you guys. It's the one time I didn't bet on you guys. I was, I thought Big Style was like, I thought they were just gonna trade everything out, like, and it was gonna be really snappy and everything. But you guys, you guys still pulled it off. Um, and then this was another one. So you talked about the Vertigo pick. Um, you won on their Mirage because you just dominated them on CT side, and then you guys won the decider on Overpass. I feel like you guys were always gonna be favored on Overpass. Um, it was the first two maps that were. A little bit more ropey for me. Um, I guess what what what's your feelings about playing against Big right now? Does this feel like the same Big that people were looking at and were saying was the best team in the world five months ago? Uh, well, I mean, they're really good individual players, but uh, I think they just are tired now. Uh, it just looks yeah. a bit. Um, yeah, like Tapson especially has kind of, especially his individual form has kind of fallen in like the past few months. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably yeah, partly because there's so many matches in your IGL, like that, it must be hard just to like constantly keep that up. Yeah, like uh, for us, for example, we only play September, October, uh, November. December. You guys are basically four a three month old team or yeah, three and a half, yeah, we're four like, month team. Yeah, four, yeah. like we, we play for four, four months. Big are playing all this year. All those tournaments, all those like wins, losses, and it's just when you don't have a, a great like time to actually like focus on practice and take a chill from officials, and it's really hard to 
stay fully focused on the match that actually matters. And um, yeah, I, ju I just think they need need a break at the moment, and they will show good results again in uh, 21 after the break. Yeah. You know, Big is the only team to lift a trophy in front of a crowd this year, so. I was Dreamhack there. Open. Dreamhack open. I was there. Leipzig. Little did I know that <laughs> <laughs> that was the only time I was going to see that this year. That's kind of disappointing, but at least you were there for it. Navi to. Oh, no. Not Wait, wasn't Navi Dreamhack Navi open Anaheim this year? Oh, yeah, there was Anaheim. That's right. Chenji was the other team. Yes, yeah, I watched that. I was there for that one. Still, who are still around. Node and I were there for that. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. I think another... <laughs> okay, we'll just go on this briefly. Uh, the, the Mad Line series was against... <sighs> the train one was always going to be... That's always going to be etched in our brains. Refresh at 15-13, pushing Ivy in a 5v3, Sanji killing him, and then Sanji getting a 4k to basically get you guys over the hump and just, like, take you guys the distance. I I just want to know what was going on in your guys' camp for that. Like, what what was that about? Well. We fully believed till then, actually. Like we, okay. on this tournament, we didn't give up on a single map. We even when we were down like heavily, we just did, didn't didn't give up a single time, because we we play the mad game. We know that we have the the percentages of winning the rounds if we play play our like chess pieces correctly, right? And uh, on actually on I th I think. Uh, so Madlines actually did really good prep against us, like, like fucking amazing That's, prep. Oh yeah, it was crazy. The amount of times they three stack B was insane. You could see it actually on overpass when they double naded the uh, Buster and Sanji on uh, pistol round. We uh -huh. already know that they they prepped for us, and on train. Yeah, I think key two key rounds on train was that uh, first. Buy round to the side. Uh, we went three upper. We faked A. We f uh, we went three upper, and they were three B. But I managed to go upper kill on top uh, top of the lower train. Uh, Buster instantly trades middle of side and uh, drops down. Then he sees third third guys trading him, and then Kicker actually gets the duel against him, and we win that that important round, which leads Madlines to Eco, and then we get the necessary rounds to the side. That's that's one of the key rounds. So we went towards three B towards stack, but we won the round. Yeah. And yeah. The, and the other key round is obviously the five versus three that they have advantage. Uh, I think it's uh, it was a refresh mistake because um, I would like Ivy is the most useless spot to push on uh, <laughs> yeah. on the tra on the train uh, in that situation, especially when you see the nickname Sanji alive. <laughs> so, so like i just um i don't know I, I feel like i could have done the same mistake somehow somehow because of my aggressive style of play i, I do a lot of like pushes five versus three or five versus four for the info plays and sometimes i die okay but uh but like it's just so weird to choose ivy in a 5v3 like yeah. yeah, I just, I just think that we. Got he wanted lucky. to just end the game or something. Just be. I think he just wanted to clear his spot and then just yeah. rotate. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just uh, he. Yeah, he just. It was just a mistake from his side, and that mistake actually got us, got us the win. But, He's like, uh, oh, I'm trying to clear Ivy real quick. Surely they aren't here. But imagine <laughs> how how could everything change yeah, if Madlands take that, uh, take that win. 
Yeah, then you guys would have had to go through the lower bracket. Oh my god, I actually can't even imagine that. I would have... That... Oh my god. Okay, I want to talk about the prep that Mad Lions did briefly then against you too, because you reminded me how they, they three-stack B, I think, three times, and I looked at the demo a little bit closer, um, and I feel like they had some tell on you guys. Like, I, they weren't pushing into T-Con, they weren't pushing into Ladder, pushing Ivy, or anything like that. Yeah, like, they were just... They, they just saw. Have, yeah, the... They just looked, and then they would just stack 3B. So, do you guys they, know... They knew your... our tempo. Yeah, they knew so, your pacing or yeah, and your tells. Like that, that that was the thing. We actually like after that Madlands game we spent like three hours on that train. We upgraded it. Uh, we we know that now it's really hard to tell like w what is happening and uh, it's just well, I mean props props to Madlands that was fucking amazing prep and but like thanks to them we upgraded our train so heavily that got us the win against OG, Fnatic, like two most important games You're, on train. Those, and those games weren't even close. Like yeah. you, you literally ascended on train after that. Yeah. Ascended. <laughs> yeah. Um, like people actually, people actually thought that we had a higher win rate on train, but uh, people thought the train is not our like strongest map. We didn't think so as well. But after the Mad Lions game and after the Mad Lions game analysis that we put put in, put in work, uh, our train just got. Yeah, level, the thing with like the thing with like train T size is that like even if some teams like they they throw like the same maze and stuff outside to like avoid tells like a lot of teams they might not even like realize it at that time but like they'll have like an obvious tempo like in terms of when they want to actually go outside and the timings for there like their yeah, timings that, for that's inner. what we had against yeah Balance. it's just yeah sometimes like especially if you don't catch that yourself like it will take a team like kind of just abusing that for yeah for and then, then, then after that team you only learn yeah and then you realize, like, okay, we need to change up our timings and stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's part of the reason why the old MIBR lineup with Fallen, like, ran into so many issues. Like, so many teams started understanding the tempo. They'd played against him for so long that they knew sort of the pacing that he had in servers. And then you went to, like, re-aggress positions and Because, like, against, against yeah. old Genji, uh, against old Genji on train, like, on their CT side, like, we had, like, some obvious tells, right? Where, like, we knew if Daps smoked at the beginning, like, they were playing two inner. And, like, if Daps moved back and like smoked um the lower ramp like from like back pop we knew they were playing we, we knew daps was alone playing retake but also like on their t side something that like i don't even think daps realized he was doing was like we knew that like whenever gen g like mollied upper on like their defaults and stuff they never ended up after that so like we always knew like if we saw like a molly upper we didn't have to like worry about inner like most likely like 95 percent chance you're going outside and like apparently like that wasn't even like a thing that like daps was like intentionally doing it if only was just more like Kusa or Bentai with Kali like okay I'm all upper and then Daps is like yeah we should we should probably end outside in his mind and then yeah like, just do that it's every just, time it's just you know players have habits mm -hmm. that they do and by those habits you can tell uh like but that's if you like really really go into the analysis yeah. of the enemy yeah you have to it's like really look for that shit yeah I think Peacemaker does that because yeah, when, yeah. when I watch Mad Lions play... Peacemaker is calling for Mad Lions, man. Is, is he just, like, <laughs> straight up calling for them? Cause it... I don't know. It's, uh, I'm, I, okay. I, don't, I don't know what's inside there, but it felt like... Okay, I'll say I, this. I think Hooksy's a good IGL, too. From playing Copenhagen Flames in the past, I felt like having that combined with, combined with Peacemaker, who has a lot of experience, 
That's a, that adds a lot to an IGL, dude. When you go from Copenhagen Flames to Mad Lions and play for like a good coach like Peacemaker, yeah, that completely changes your perspective on the game and like anti strategy and stuff. That really helps. Hooksy might be good at calling, but his individual performances let me down a lot when I watched that team. Like, you can't I, have everything, okay? I know, I know. I just you can't give, give, give him some time. Yeah, but I just. For me, I don't like how Hooksy puts himself in the blame F spots all the time. It's just like, until Hooksy upgrades his skill or his game sense immensely or his just really his fragging power or something. You know what's going to happen is like the next time Mad Lions plays complexity now, it's like Hooksy's going to drop like 28 kills while Blame F has like 14 or something. (laughs) Hooksy's just super inconsistent from my perspective. Just one of those random games. Like, he has so many games where he just goes like six and twenty, like legitimately just really bad score lines. I he has the occasional game where he'll go like thirty-one kills or something, but then like it'll just be a sea of red, and then suddenly he pops off one day. It, do you guys? Do you guys ever go into a game like like specifically like maybe not like targeting one player for instance, but like you guys all agree that like one player is like really bad or something, and you're like, yeah, this guy's like bad. We don't have to really worry about him or whatever. And then, like, you're playing them, and that guy's just, like, popping off, and everyone's just, like, kind of, like, low-key mad that this guy's just, like, owning you. No, oh, but uh, we actually, yeah, um, wait, I'm gonna even check my matches. We, we, we trash-talked some, I mean, we trash-talked one player, and then he fucking destroyed us, and then we stopped, <laughs> we stopped, tra- we stopped. <laughs> I just liked how midway through you asking that question, Mix, there was just a smile that came up on you, can you say? He knew exactly what I've seen in the past thought, like, Grat wasn't, like, a great offer, like, the best player, but, like, we would say he was inconsistent, he was like, yeah, this guy's not that good, but every time he would play us, this guy would just destroy us, he would just hard carry, I was like, and I remember one time after he destroyed us, I put in our group chat, no more shit-talking gratis faction if you're just gonna own us every time. <laughs> <laughs> who, who was it? You can, you gotta, you gotta tell us who it was. I think it was Genji, but you choose which player, I'm not gonna tell. Uh, I can't believe you shit-talked exists that badly. No, wait, wait, if it's someone that did well... It has to be Kriaz then, because you would probably respect the other three. No, others. no, I, re- I respect Kriaz, man. He's my FPL friend. Wow, automatic. Automa- wait, don't. No, let's not start. Let's not. Kusta? <laughs> like no, no. Kusta didn't do that well, so it couldn't be Kusta. Oh, okay. Or maybe, I mean, well, if you oh, trash talked. Like... If you try. I, I feel like you're saying it as if this person did well against you after you trash talked them. So it had to be automatic because he destroyed you guys on train. And then he didn't do much else after that. So. Yeah, but, but we, were, we were mostly trash talking, like, you, you know, like. Um... For our mental state, it's to hype you yeah, yourselves yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Dude, everyone yeah. trash talks every other team they play. Like, yeah, it's like, like anyone actually, that says like, they no don't, no offense. Fucking lying. Yeah. Like no offense, actually, to like people, yeah. like uh, like it's the heat of the heat of the moment. Yeah, it's know? like obviously you're gonna like you're not gonna be like yeah, this team is sick. Dude, like, if you, like, you're yeah, once you talk some people, like. once you go to go to a land, like you'll hear it in the audience, like or yeah. just especially if it's a local land, just people yeah. will say shit to other people or to their teammates, like these guys fucking suck or whatever, and it's just like yeah, that's you just need to do it it's just yeah, like, like it's part of just getting your mental good like yeah. it's easier to say that than like you guys we're really good at the game we'll do better next like, <laughs> what? Yeah, no. like that's what i miss most about lands is that like flashpoint had just started bringing yes. back like the whole teams facing each other during matches thing in flashpoint one mm-hmm. and that was like i was so happy that the tournament organizer had done that again because holy shit it's so missing from matches yeah like even in land play that was happening before covid like the fact that more tournament organizers weren't going back to that setup is just 
it's a shame because oh my god that is what really makes the matches hell content and uh yeah yeah dude that's what made smuyo like the idol of our flashpoint one where basically we just wanted him to go far because we had all those clips that were like him just talking shit to every team (laughs) when it was in the land environment it was so good um it's just like in Philadelphia, like all the teams are gonna shit talk each other no matter what. It's what makes it so much fun to be there and like watch. I know, and then everybody just hangs out after. So everyone yeah. everybody knows it's not personal. Yeah. Can you guys um, believe that like, you guys even got guardian shit talking on LAN? That's a fucking accomplishment. <laughs> He's like, you yeah. guys are slowing down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. That's a good one. Um Alright. I think that'll take us to our Patreon question. So this is for our Man, I keep I can't believe I have to read his name again. It's the you want me to uh, do it? Yeah, Mix, okay, you can read his so, name. It's the question of the week. By who is this from? No, not the uh, question of the week, the Patreon question. Oh, the Patreon question. Difference. Sorry. There's a difference, yes. So the Patreon question from uh yeah, pal me Mousenake is what is our opinion on the state of the M4A1S? Yeah, he just wanted us to talk about that and like kind of like the Deagle. People are saying the Deagle's okay, so, overpower. People yeah, are but like, you know. Yeah. I, one thing I will say about the M4A1S is that it has the best skins in the game. I That's love true. it. Especially after yeah. the snow operation. Yes, dude. Oh. I, I used A1S just for the skins, honestly. like it's just. I actually switched mid-Flashpoint from A4 to AS. See, that's uh, the thing. Like... Sorry, yeah, uh I mean, because I just didn't feel confident with the, with the A4 anymore. My spray just didn't uh, go good, and I was playing uh, like A1S like really long time. Then I switched in like mid 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 summer back to M4A4 for like three months, and now uh, now I switched back because it's just I just feel it more 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 for me, you know. I feel I feel I feel it's amazing. It's but... just a laser. Dude, I feel like when you yeah, I feel like it's the like, eternal cycle it's... of the A1S and A4. Like you use the A4, then your teammate switches to an A1. They drop you it for one round. You get like four kills, laser beam everyone. You're like, oh shoot, I'm sick with this gun. You switch. You own for like a couple of months. They're like, oh. And then someone drops but, you an A4, and you're like, then you do the same thing. But, but yeah, the I think the A4 switches are more like you. You're trying to hold down like. B on Inferno, and yeah. they're all just jumping through a smoke, and you wish you had that extra fire rate or something like that. That's... Yeah, that's true. I actually switch up on on Inferno for I... for that matter. But for example, on Overpass, the A1S is oh yeah, is so good on Overpass. I would say yeah. Overpass and Train yeah. are really good for the A1S, unless you're playing like Monster Hold or like you're playing um, what would it, what would the other one be? Uh, Probably Pop Dog. Like B maybe. or Pop Dog, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. If you're playing Pop Dog, you the, want to the maps with really long range angles and the ones where you tend to spam a lot through smokes is where you get like the most benefit from it, obviously. But like, I I think the A1S is fine in the in the way it currently is. It just to actually answer the question that is like I think the state of it is good, but why can't Valve just make it so you can swap between games, like or swap yes, like while a match is live? It's the dumbest thing, man. Yeah. Like, it's a very situational, or not necessarily situational, but like position-dependent weapon. So like, not every player is going to opt to use it depending on where they play, but it's, there's zero reason for it not to be able to be hot-swapped during a game. Yeah, and I for example, able, as well, yeah. in the game, like, Kickert hates A1S. And mm-hmm. uh, before, Jame always had the A- A1S, because uh, those 200 bucks are actually like a big deal, if, yeah. if, you're, if you think about it. and. Uh, like we had four A four A fours. Now I switched to 
uh, A1S and now uh, not me and not Jame can drop to Kickert. So it's Buster and Sanji dropping <laughs> dropping to Kickert all the time, even though we have like 14k. But but actually like <laughs> wait like dropping. like, like ima- imagine the the state of our team that we actually thought about all the positions on the maps which players can play with the silencer and which players prefer to play on a4 and on on the base we swap them between the players depending uh-huh. on the on the setups and depending on the positions hmm yeah that incorporates all against that that's really way. interesting actually yeah yeah for example why, why i put put, put a, uh, a1s as well is because uh, i use aug like on mirage a lot on overpass sometimes like uh, on train sometimes and uh, i just don't feel the need for a4 anymore because uh, i either play silencer or or play aug. or aug that's it yeah Hmm. So it was, it was coming more into meta when the AUG was a little bit cheaper, where I think Kerrigan started it by by running that, the AUG and A1S sort of set up. But yeah. once they increased the price, players sort of just went away from it. But now that people are using the AUG again, it's, it might just come back into come back yeah. into play. What What's the deal with... Okay, off off the cuff, what's the deal with Sanji dropping all the time like i feel like it's easy it's easy to understand when you really think about it but it's like i think it's the funniest thing about your team that sanji will just be running around with a deagle and jay because he had to drop jamin off like it should happen so much it's just so funny like what are your what are your thoughts on that well i mean fucking hell a lot of people don't i mean they underestimate sanji as a player so they see stats. There, yeah. Just kick him. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> just watch this. Just watch like the I game. Just run around with a Mac Ten. Just fucking... check, check out how much like uh, black work. Like, how how do you say it? Like the behind the scenes work he's doing. Uh-huh. Like, and yeah, yeah. And the positions he plays allows him to get the maximum out of the MP9 or Mac Ten or the Eagle. Yeah. And for example, yeah. for example, on Mirage. Uh, because we, we are playing, because um, we're sometimes saving and sometimes dropping one gun to win a round, to have a chance to win a round with, a, with an idea, right? So Sanji drops a gun, and then we have a full buy round next, but Sanji plays with the Mac-10 or the Deagle, because like, the overall percentage of the two, two, those two rounds are a lot higher than if you just eco one round and... Uh, then you play full by na- full by next round, and because of the Sanji's position, he's the one taking those uh, positions on almost all the maps. He's the one taking the uh, taking these guns, and uh, you mentioned uh, dropping like the op with uh, to, to Jane without armor. Everybody do, does it from the from the team, like <laughs> yeah, like on certain maps. Uh, the stew on train, we can we can drop an up and play no armor like no problem. Uh, we just do a setup where this no armor can uh, feel comfortable in, and it doesn't matter. We're like we're we're like a family, and like Sanji doesn't care about the community like talking like shit about him or something. He's just he just he loves winning, and uh, he mm-hmm. he just does everything for the for doing. I mean, it also circles back, right? Because if he's saving and he's dropping an op and just going with the deagle, the fact that James still saves that op like over and over, if you lose a round, you're still recycling it. So the value yeah. you're getting out of that is like far more 
it's just multiplied based on the fact that he's willing to go with the Deagle and have an off for three extra rounds, maybe. He's getting yeah. interest on his investment. Yeah, exactly. Back on the uh, back on the MSL Rogue, it was always like you just hear drop me AVP, and then like <laughs> MSL will just trade you a UMP for the op. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know if I agree with as much. I think James a lot better than MSL at all. I'm like I'm like I'm like Kiko would get it because the UMP's like cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I will say one thing about when you guys played against Big um, on Mirage. Big was 100% targeting Sanji. They were trying to beat him at B, and then Sanji ended. I'm looking at the stats now. Sanji ended with that half. CT side, 180R, 100% KAST. Like, teams... Oh, they, teams they, probably doing the same thing, like, pregame. They're like, dude, we're just going to go here, because Sanji sucks. They, they really... sucks. They did. Like, I'm sure that's their game plan. Yeah, sure. really. And then they're going there, and he's just owning them the entire time. They're like, dude, th- what? Yeah, he... <laughs> Yeah. And like the point is like for example like why Sanji plays with the Deagle more than for example me or uh, any anyone else in the team. First is positions, the second one his Deagle is fucking insane. Dude, uh, his first yeah. bullet accuracy is the best yeah, on your it's, team. It's the yo, best. It's like, so fast. Like my strafing and Sanji's strafing is like completely different ones. Yeah. And like uh I, I consider myself a fine Deagle player. I can put put up headshots and shit. But like Sanji's moving around like a frog and <laughs> and like no i don't know how to explain it he's just walking around with these like mini strafes and somehow and kill, yeah. kills one and just goes back and like yeah, I do, yeah. like i, I do I, strafes I, pre-fires you know and he just doesn't doesn't do it he just like walks around and like taps and yep. that's it. i think i think sanji's better than taco but it's kind of similar in that like anytime he would scream at my br taco would just get like a 4k with a deagle it's just Talk. It's just like I just didn't understand how Deagle was just so like. Sanji is an upgraded so taco. He is. Yeah, Sanji is literally just better taco. taco. I, he yeah. is actually. Um, one thing I'll say is that I feel like a lot of players that get these like super bitch rolls and spots realize their first bullet accuracy just simply has to be good, or else they will never kill anybody because they have so yeah. many Deagle. Dude, Sanji's pistol in this tournament was like a top five pistol. Insane, I think. especially. It, um it was pistol round on train don't remember against who he he hit some nutty shots from z when it was it was fanatic i believe he killed one electric and one old bombsite and he, those shots were fucking insane like i didn't see because yeah. i was alive but like after analyzing that game yeah just just dude yeah son and like the, the spots like for the b players you you kill the first guy and you win the round basically if you win the duel against the first guy, mm-hmm. if the ter- terrorists win the duel against first guy, they're winning the round like most of the times, ninety percent of the times. But if CT w- kills the, f- the first first opening fragger that actually goes with the execute and with flashes and all that, it's just so that's why his uh, just first bullet, as you say, accuracy has to be on point. Yeah, I, I am curious about your thoughts on like targeting individual players and in-, in the way the game's currently played, like. How does your team approach that, and what do you think about like targeting a spot or a certain player in a on a map? Mm, it mostly I've depends really on, on that too much. Yeah, it kind of depends. Yeah, it depends on. Sometimes it depends. Uh, sometimes it, go, it just goes together. Like we mostly watch macro game of the enemy, and if their macro game. Is shit we can abuse well, like one point one like 
part of the map, obviously, because like like training against OG. For example, um, like there was this problem Big had before on Mirage. Uh, Xantaros was playing connector and Tapson was playing uh, short before, and now they switched. But the problem with Xantaros connector was like when I watched demos, he was spending a lot of time in that jungle area in front of connector, and he was so little helping on A that. Uh, me, we won pro, as Pro 100 against Big on Mirage. Why? Because we were just abusing Kaido on A. He was always alone. We were just going there and abusing him. And that's the macro game. And sometimes it happens like that, that, that uh, the, actually like the worst player of the, of the team is mostly alone. Because uh, people on his team are focusing more on macro on different side of the map. And that's that's when you can just literally... Like stream steamroll, like through through. Yeah, like we when I was prepping for ends, like their mirage, they had like a super huge focus towards A, and they would like, they were just leaving like their stand in uh, Sadi, like just alone towards B, like half the time, and, like just jump spotting Van alone half the time, like because like closest rotate is like maybe like window, you know, like just so like if we played, you know, like ends on mirage, that probably wouldn't be the plan at least at first, you know, or at least you know maybe show pressure at A first, to, you know, try to make them feel comfortable with playing him there, kind of like mid like mid half and then just abusing that but i never like really look for it usually will just kind of present itself if you're like gonna like try to abuse a site like that yeah. and i think the only other thing is i think it can help mid game at least to maybe like check the scoreboard sometimes and just see if like anyone you can tell is like really struggling you know just you can tell just isn't feeling the map or the game at the moment and sometimes kind of targeting that a little bit like maybe trying to draw rotates away from that guy to target him yeah, the psychology, for example, like if the person has a bad game, he's not likely to push his yeah. uh, part of the map. And uh, especially, um, yeah, on some players, it doesn't work. On me, it doesn't work. I don't care. I have like minus 15. I'm just. Yeah, some players, they'll be like a 18, 18, and I know that guy's going to push yeah. short every single uh, round. Art, it doesn't matter. Art is the same. He's not, he's not going to change up his game. He's just going to play like he usually does. And like, but a lot of people actually sit down on their fucking ass and. Uh, because they're just uh, yeah. not confident, you know, yeah. and yeah. Uh, you just you feel like, okay, he's probably he probably didn't push A on Mirage. Let's go B. They're gonna be focused towards A because they don't have A information, and the B guy could have pushed, uh, you know, and you can catch him and get three B side like psychology. Okay, let's move to some new stuff. Um, start with something that's kind of. It's kind of on a down note, and we'll move up, I guess. Um, team Chaos does not seem to have an org, and this team just won the DreamHack Masters in North America. I think and I am a... Beijing before that. Yeah, and I am Beijing before that to qualify for the IM Global Challenge, but they will not be playing the IM Global Challenge now because of health issues. I think yeah, Leaf has, Leaf has Crohn's, so he's at major risk to travel. And then Marky also got uh, bronchitis, I think. So wow. he was told by his doctor not to travel either. <sighs> okay. Um, there's been stuff circulating right now about where this team's going to go. Uh, I think team Boxer. There's been <laughs> potential that Team Boxer. <laughs> Uh, there's been, like, I think Op Hex wrote one word, so people thought they were going to get picked up by Optic. He literally I'm pretty just sure he was Optic. just correcting the spelling of yeah, Optic. Yeah, like, he literally just corrected like the spelling of Optic to Moses. 
And then, um, I don't, it's kind of hard to get into this without really just revealing rumors or anything like that. But I guess, I guess, what what would you guys hope for this team? Or like, what? Okay, you Kinder, what does it look like across the pond for you to see like an NA team like this kind of fall off? Well, a lot of people don't understand that uh, if an A region loses region uh, loses interest in the game. Uh, Europe is gonna struggle as well because of it, because we lose a lot of investment, a lot, a lot of, a lot of sponsor, sponsorships, and a lot of fucking people actually watching the events. A lot of like fans. We lose so much if uh, if we just lose it. So what I hope is that chaos is gonna stick to still stick and uh, still stick on uh, like playing CS and actually. I don't know. I just. It's really hard in the end right now. It's just a heavy struggle. It's gonna, it's it's gonna affect CS one hundred percent and uh, in a bad way. And but I hope at least chaos stays and uh, so it's so it's gonna be like liquid. Uh, EG. EG and uh, I want to say energy. Uh, EG and uh, chaos. Gen- so at least yeah. at least chaos and Genji. Genji also. Yeah, yeah Genji's still there. I think those yeah, are the it's... main four teams. I do hope most of them get to stay in CS uh, if they don't get to stick together. It is unfortunate, like, because they've, they've been so well. Like, they finally found their form, finally found, like, a solid lineup that's, like, really working for them. Um, mm-hmm. Even after, like, Steel went to Valor, like, having a lot of success with Fanity, calling it opting. And, you know, that was, like, a big a big step for him, especially. So it's definitely a shame to see them just out in Oregon, potentially without backing at the moment. Yeah. It's also not like there's a shortage of orgs in North America. It's just none of them actually want to yeah. seem to pick up a North American team. Like you it's, have NBA, yeah. you moment. also have um, sorry, you also have Contact who just dropped, who just announced yep. that they're uh, that they're dropping their current lineup, by the way, or benching them, I guess, yeah. and looking for another roster. So like, sorry, you're gonna say something, Mix? No, I was gonna say like it's just it's like a combination of like because it feels like even like when the NA or the NA scene had like eight to ten orgs, right? It was still like two or three that were just a level above everyone else, and so you yeah. know it's like we're liquid in EG now in Genji, and so it feels like at the moment getting orcs to invest below that is like near impossible because like you know in the past historically teams below that are just kind of like itching like scratching and calling just to get a chance to like an international yeah, and the land. Tournament they play is MDL, and there's yeah. even no like like the the thing is in Europe that uh, tier two and tier three teams have that NA doesn't have is these nine to five tournaments yeah, uh, yeah. like like mm-hmm. these these small tournaments are actually making uh making the like cs fucking awesome in europe because uh, you always got competition in every tier of of the teams you always have prize monies those tournaments actually get money back a lot from like people are, are actually watching because of betting and and stuff yep and uh, a lot of those small tournaments are really good for exposing like new players, new teams, new ev- like ev- every new sponsors, new, new everything. Invest investments. New, they're just making the Europe Europe like really shine in in terms of like uh, the opportunities that you have, especially like, for all tier of the players. And NA doesn't have that, and that's the problem. Like that that's the main problem why uh, like uh, there's liquid. Uh, Liquid, uh, EG, and Chaos, like three teams, and there's nothing else. Like, the main thing that they've had is like MDL, but even that is like, it's not like its own, it's not prestigious as a league, like on its own. Like, it's only because of the value it has associated with the pro league. And so, especially after the scandal, 
Yeah, like, and especially like the, after teams, or what was it? Yeah, like the match fixing, or like, or like how like there's no like NAEPL anymore, or like you know there's very yeah, limited restructuring of like, it. Which like I understand why that happened, but also that kind of kills MDL and AMDL as well because it's like you know before like the only reason teams were playing this really is because you know it gets you in the pro league. Like it's not prestigious as a league as itself just to win necessarily because you know it won't necessarily get you anywhere like that. But whereas in EU, it feels like there's a lot more tier two, tier three tournaments teams are playing and like taking seriously. Yeah. It's getting better in NA at the moment. Like we're trying to do the like, cash like, cups and everything, uh, the cash cups and FEL stuff and all that stuff. So it's definitely getting better in that regard, but there's still a long way to go, it's, especially now. The the home sweet home cups are like literally why Juan Flatro's name is just on every message board because he just like owned in them every time. Even though Secret never did well, like Juan Flatro just kept owning, and it was just like everybody kept talking about him. So like I almost I I know people in NA respect Zeppa, but I feel like he doesn't have the same almost like it's almost casual. Like, even a more casual viewer in Europe now knows Juan Flatro, and, like, casual people in Europe don't really know who Zeppa is as well, even though he's way better. <laughs> like, it's it's just funny. It's just funny because, yeah, the Tier 2 stuff gets lots of eyeballs. Like, I I'm, I was watching 9 to 5 before this. I was watching Heap clutch against uh, K23. Heap. Heap. Well, here's the thing, right? Like, I could rant about this for 10, 15 minutes, the number of, like, issues that have compounded into North America suffering as a region. Like... It's not just the fact that, well, A, we don't have, like, betting isn't as legalized in the U.S. as it is in Europe. Oh, yeah, so right. We already yeah. don't have, like, a lot of those sponsors able to come in and do tournaments. But then the the organizers who can do tournaments, like ESEA and Face It, don't put the effort in. Like, ESEA has yeah. not changed their league structure in years. Like, they're still running 18 matches, uh, like, in mm -hmm. the group stage of the season that basically don't really matter. They, like... Think about if they reduce the the number of teams who compete in MDL from something like 18 to 12, and you have the top eight make playoffs and the bottom four go to relegation. Now you don't have that mid-tier of teams that have nothing to play for halfway through the season. Yeah, You have eight teams actually making playoffs. You have four teams who actually try and fight to make it out of that bottom relegation territory. Like You have to change something here. You don't have 18 competitive teams in NAMDL either way. You no, also have all right. these players who like come up and they don't actually have like any foundation because all of the experienced <laughs> players have like there's no incentive for them to stay. Like nothing's gone. Sean Garris is gone. Yeah, like a, there's a no lot of, like, picking media. them up. So no, what it, what annoys me more than anything, especially like a lot of the people that have already gone to Valorant and then like you know talk about NACS being dead. I hate how like so many players and like people that left or like you know just people from the scene seem to take zero accountability or responsibility yeah. for like the na scene like the na scene's demise and like how it's gone the past few months it seems like there's like no personal like accountability or like it's like they feel like they're like they're not at fault at all personally I and mean, it's like obviously it's a combination of things but like you know the fact that besides like the top two three na teams you know teams never do anything internationally you know they're just completely irrelevant and you like that like part of the responsibility lies on like the scene itself and like the players and the people in it in terms mm -hmm. of how it's how it's fallen the way by the wayside this year yeah the problem is as well like uh, as uh, Nada said like Sean Garris like nothing steel uh Brax a lot of content makers of CS are leaving for Valorant and that's like that's the like streamers actually people who actually like upgrade their um media are leaving the industry and uh, they're taking the people that are uh, like to them into another industry. So 
that's why it's really harsh as well because people just are not upgrade like vanity love vanity is doing a, he was doing a great job i know he had like um i think he has, he has a lot YouTube. of twitter followers like does he, YouTube a, does he, video, he always he, i think go. i think he has a youtube youtube he was channel. making a bunch of made videos a while ago i don't know if he's still doing them but those were really good yeah, yeah like always always some banter in twitter always tweets always yeah. trying to like um, mm-hmm. somehow like talk like like do some some conversations about cs about everything about what was happening like mm-hmm. like amazing but and like uh, for example imagine if Stewie, for example, leaves for Valorant. It's gonna be like even harsh, uh, harsher. Yep. Like, cause first of all, Liquid is gonna be like in, in a pit. In a and, weird state, uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Stewie as uh, one of the most uh, media guys of NA. Yeah, biggest personality. Gonna, yeah. But, you know, just... So, so like when you compare something like that, though, like think about it. You go to Denmark and you have all of these like in-game leaders who have played for years who have that experience who can tell these players like hey girl you're following like this is what you can do this is how you should play the game this is the fundamentals we're trying to nail into you where are those players for north america there aren't any because they've left the game either because yeah. of valorant or they've left the game because there is no orgs interested in picking up lower tier teams and then none of these players have that foundation in social media or in the game and it has to get built up when they reach that level, and they don't understand they have to do that themselves at this point. Yeah, they don't so, have like, the advice from, like, exactly. for example, Zeus. Zeus like is talking a lot. Uh, he was talking a lot with me about this, like that I should should uh, try to increase my media. I'm trying to do it, but uh, like I don't have the opportunity opportunity to stream all the time because of the tournaments, and I want to focus like a lot in my team. But on free on my free time, I'm trying to stream. I'm I'm trying to show my showcase myself to the to the industry you know to the viewers and uh, that is the main me- me- mechanism that is gonna improve the whole whole community if, if you guys keep winning you don't you don't have to worry about that people yeah, will true. follow you people yeah. will 100% follow when you when people win tournaments they just get you know, hundreds or I, I don't remember no. a single actual word that Saiwu has said to like <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Saiwu doesn't even need to talk anymore and the dude just blows I, I mean, don't he'll know blow if he actually, up. I don't know if he actually talks or if he just plays there like silently. <laughs> just yeah. Freya went up to him and said oh, something yeah. like I don't know, uh, hey. I don't know. No, that's, no. The, that's the most famous Zaiwu <laughs> clip is him not saying anything. Yeah, <laughs> actually is him disagreeing and not not agreeing there, to say anything, yeah. There's a certain level you can reach where you really don't need to say anything and you can just play the game, but if you're not Zaiwu, I mean, like, Simple yeah, has... Good, like, Zaiwu, like, it just makes anything you say just instantly legendary. Yeah, Simple has a personality and he streams occasionally. Simple has thing... quite yeah, personality. Yeah, he's skilled as yeah. fuck as well, yeah. so it's... Yeah. It's like, like, the personality is giving fucking a lot of content. Uh, content. Yeah. His individual plays are giving fu- a lot of content and yeah. he streams. He's the like whole package. He yeah. he's the whole package, and he's doing a lot for the CS community. It might have been better if like 2014 Simple didn't stream, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he can't yeah, be safe I mean, with that either. Well, though I mean, like, did you see the clip when uh, I think it was Smuya who put it out? Because Smuya was like, "Simple, I want my spot," and Simple was like, "I don't care. You don't have team." Get out. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good, dude. That clip was amazing. That's funny. But like one one other thing, quickly is that. It's not even that you have to stream necessarily to build your brand. For a lot of these like mid-tier MDL players or like upcoming North American players, you don't even have to stream. Like 
you have a website like dust2.us literally churning out articles about your team, about your entire scene, and there's zero support from the majority of these players. Like, shout out to Flom, shout out to, like, a couple of other MDL players who actually try and, like, actively yeah. support that content. But the number of MDL players who I have to, like, personally message and reach out to and be like, hey, can you do this? Can you, like, help promote this? Or I have to at them in the tweet, and even then, they'll just like the tweet. Like, says, the, like not even come on, man. These are the young players that fucking, like, no one knows, no one really cares about them. Like, they just think they're above, like, this fucking, this, like, this site for some reason, like, or, like, this these articles or whatever. I don't know, it's so weird, like, the mentality some people have with it. It's really strange, man. For example, like, um, you know, Bobski is, like, uh, he played, like, Nuke, of course, against uh, Mouseports mm -hmm. in the finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, 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 was, he was inactive for, like, three months. Yeah. But if you check his Twitter account, yep. always content, always something, <laughs> some ideas, some... some content, he was like, yeah. <laughs> like, he was lately talking about doing a, uh, uh, doing a tunnel... Like in Dust Two to cross doors without without without, <laughs> yeah. without but like even these small things they're get, getting conversations they're, they're getting people involved they're getting people interest and uh, yeah. they're getting interest in him as a player and that's that's the thing you can simply tweet like some stupidest shit ever but it's gonna give you likes it's gonna give you the ex exposure and uh, yeah that exposure in the end can help Dude, not, not, just... not only you but like the whole community. Vanity just replays like the same like twenty tweets. Like, yeah, I saw, I saw that actually. Like, so funny. Anyone can do it, right? Yeah. Just tweet about being a virgin. That's all you need. Get your virginity, Roxity. Yeah. Um. Okay. All right. Let's move to something also. I guess kind of contentious. Um. Today there was the huge debacle about CSPPA versus Blast. And then a lot of people chimed in on that. Uh, let's yeah, try to get out of here, Maui. You, you said earlier, you're yeah. like, I'm gonna let's start on a low note and then go higher. Let, let's let's end on a happy this is, note. This should be hap This should be happier because I feel like we should come to some kind of agreement here. I think this is like, I think the way that this was portrayed on Twitter was like really a lot of people just shouting uh, without actually trying to have any nuance yeah. and i think that was kind of pro almost problematic because of how divisive it was for the scene like i don't i feel like if you guys really all had a discussion about this people would see eye to eye a little bit more so i guess uh let's hear what, what are some of you guys thoughts on so for people that aren't aware about this if you if you haven't been following it's basically csppa released a um a statement saying that they they don't want to give up all the comms or have those on broadcast uh similar to how at the fall showdown they were basically using any comms with complete carte blanche and just use and just like posting a whole big exec with their comms like who's gonna flash for who uh they're saying cold zera is doesn't how he didn't he tell he told his team that they didn't anti-strap for map three so they want to csppa and a few players want to roll that back they don't want all that stuff being out on broadcast. And they also don't want, uh, and this is important to note, that broadcast talent talk about as much as they've been talking about in regards to the comms that they're hearing. And also, appar apparently, from what I could gather, I don't know if you guys have more details on this, it seemed like some people are getting the comms and maybe telling people about what they're hearing in ways they shouldn't be. Like, I feel like that's yeah, a huge breach. Yeah. That's a huge like, breach. Another 
another problem like in terms of this like in terms of this like one that's like a big breach in my opinion like and i feel like yeah, that that's will, completely that certainly will happen like with enough people yeah. like people are gonna pass on information but also another thing that i kind of thought about was like with how many like analysts and stuff and like desk talent and you know analysts and stuff that have been going like to coaching roles and stuff and you know like yeah roles the fact that they have like access to like every team's comms and you know, like they have access to every team's comps, which is something that other people don't have at all. Like people like me don't have. I've I'm never gonna hear other teams' comps. But like the fact that like they're getting all this information, they're able to hear all of this stuff that like other people are never gonna be able to hear, and like they're passing on the information, or even just but even just learning that stuff when you know those people are so like sought after at the moment for you know coaching roles and GM roles and stuff, like I do feel like that's almost kind of a conflict of interest in itself. Yeah, yeah. That's like that's the main problem actually. Like uh First, there's like uh, post posting clips that they don't agree with teams, mm-hmm. so that's that's one of the problems. So obviously, you because you're showcasing an image of a play, of players, five players and a coach, uh, yeah, and uh, you you could be showing them in a light that they don't want to be seen, and yeah. you need to agree with players and the, and and the team and the management to actually post something like this otherwise it's just how 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 do you say it it's just it can ruin people's careers basically yeah and second is uh, what CSPPA told is that a lot of people who shouldn't have access as you said uh makes that analysts people that can further use that information and uh, I don't know, like nobody's selling like information, obviously. But like, imagine if something like that happens. It's just it just could be happening. You don't you don't you don't know how how far will teams go, how yeah. far will uh, the the people go, and uh, a lot of people who shouldn't have get, uh, gotten that information are getting it. And that's the problem. What CSPPA sees that uh, first they need to like close out the the circle of of the management of the uh, the per, people who actually hear the comms and uh, agree with the teams and there's going to be no problem i think there should be a middle ground where because yeah. that's content obviously that's content people like people like seeing comms like like uh, seeing banter like seeing something i definitely but, yeah i definitely don't think you it should like completely go away like i yeah, think there's yeah, like, of course. super but, valuable elements that you can you can add into like a broadcaster you know like a tweet after a game you know like showing like a highlight from like a team's comms like you know because like there's still like stuff that you can post that like isn't giving anything away and you know it's like good content people will watch you know even like certain rounds overall but at the moment i just i just don't like like the, the total just unlimited access that yeah, it feels yeah, like yeah. That's, the, that, like that's the main problem the issues i see with is like to your first point your kinder like if you were you were saying earlier about how your team like shit talks other teams just to like and all teams do it like well you'll shit talk to hype your team up like if those sort of things leak and you guys are just doing it to like get your team in the right mindset before a game, then obviously that's going to be a, like a major detractor for your team that you don't yeah. really need. For right? example, for example, imagine lower tier organization is playing against uh, Navi. For example, for yeah. example, us playing against Navi, right? Like I'm, I'm not, not saying VP is lower tier organization, but I'm t- telling you that Navi has a lot of more fans in CIS region and uh, yeah. a lot more people to support them. Imagine Navi fa- fans he- hearing. The comms that we say that, oh, simple having a bad game, we're laughing and shit, and and then basically all the com com comments on that post are gonna go like, yeah. yo, you never you never had you never had the like bad game or something, you fucking 
dog or something. Like <laughs> fans are gonna start arguing. Everything's yeah. gonna t- turn in a shit show. It's it's just it's just not needed. This kind of this kind this kind of is not needed, and uh, you never know if it's gonna happen until you ag- agree on some point of uh, agreement between the org and players and the yeah. tournament organizers. So on yeah. the note of like the CSPPA's announcement is, I think what what a couple of the takes on Twitter I saw people really missing was that the organization seemed to have an agreement with the tournament organizer, but none of the players were actually like this was not discussed with the players beforehand. Like maybe it was in their agreement with the tournament organizer that the players read, but if you're not offered a choice to actually like release those cons or have like a proper discussion about it then obviously it's going to be an issue for the players. Also, this is, like, Blast has been doing this for a little while, so I question the fact that this hasn't been, like, actively discussed sooner. So the, yeah, I can the, see that side of the argument. Yeah, I, I do wonder if something came up. Actually, like, was discussing this, like, when we played, uh, what was it, Showdown? Uh, mm-hmm. Fall Showdown, mm-hmm. when we lost against Fury, it was already then we were talking about that. Right. It just, but it just to be fair, they have been doing now. the mic. They were doing it on LAN even at the start of the year. So it's been basically an entire year of these sort of segments. So I do question the timeline in terms of like how long it's taken them to deal with it if, because if it was an issue. But I can also understand the fact that players need to have some input on this. There's no way that they shouldn't have like any say as to the level of comms that get released. I- I think I don't it just think... kind of reached a breaking point more more so. Yeah. That it was just yeah. like, like at the beginning you think, okay, they did that, that was okay, but then they kept pushing it, and like in the last couple months, like in October or whatever, when they really released like the Cold Zera clip and the big comms for the strat, that's when it was like, okay, this needs to stop. But in the early parts of the year, it was more like, yeah, let's go. You know, like, that's uh, fine. You, you can but the thing to. is, like, why does it have to reach that point for this discussion to happen? Like, where are the people at Blast they, or at ESO? Like, where are these people who have the foresight to actually think ahead and be like, this could be an issue. Let's lock it down before it happens. How they, is it not happening? It, it's like, just look at what Flashpoint ask, did. You guys seem to have, like, I, I know that Thorne, when he was either on here or he was, he made a video on his channel about, like, being very firm with the analysts that they would be like out of the industry if they ever leaked anything yes. and stuff like that. Like it's it's so crucial that you nail something like that down if you're ever gonna air segments like this. That I can't believe that people at like a TO like Blast wouldn't have had the foresight to deal with it before it happened. That's it's more just, of a ask okay. ask ask for forgiveness, don't ask for permission kind of deal for me. I think they just they just push the envelope as far as they could because it makes the best content and then when they have to retract, now they can say, "Hey, we're sorry. We didn't. Yeah. We didn't. We didn't do it. But we yeah. didn't know. But now that we do know, they can be forgiven. But should it have ever come out? No. But they can always come back on that statement. I and feel like this is the mo whenever yeah. you're trying to deal with something that's related to the CSPPA, though, because they have been shown to be relatively toothless on a lot of really high profile yeah. issues. Like my take on it, not that everybody really cares about my personal take, but my take, I'm I have the floor now, is uh, <laughs> I I really don't understand why the CSPPA decided it was like or, or whatever the case may have been regarding the negotiations to delay the games today, but the fact that yeah. they made it happen today. When the stuff about tournament, like playing a final and then less than a day later playing another match, like that change to fix the scheduling so that doesn't happen again, so that Heroic doesn't get fucked over and over again, that doesn't happen until what, next year? So the idea that like, okay, they're willing to come to an agreement about that 
And that doesn't have to be immediate. That doesn't have to change immediately. But the blast stuff has to change immediately. Like, that's where I don't understand. Like, why, what is up with the, the sort of, like, difference of how they're handling the specific issues, really? I'm, not, I'm just looking for consistency, and I can't ever they, find it with this. They find such strange hills to die on. Like, how is this the floor where they're like, we're striking for this. Like, this is where we're going to end it. Whereas, like, 24, 24 teams get cut from EPL at the start of this year. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> like, no problem. Like, 140 players losing their jobs because their organizations aren't going to sponsor them anymore. No problem, man. Let's not do anything about that. And then Chris Jay's coming out and he's being like, yeah, but ESL had to protect the bottom line. Like, you're this part of the CSPPA. It's not your responsibility to worry about the ESL bottom line. I like, know. your job is to concentrate on the players, man. <laughs> so know. seeing that sort of stuff is just like, it's so infuriating, especially seeing the effect it's had on North America. Like, how are you not thinking about this in advance? There's True. no excuse in that sense. truly discussing players ideologies was something i did not expect for its server time podcast but (laughs) it is uh, you draw yeah i mean you make a really good point there because it it is very it's it's just worrying about themselves you know at the end of the day and that's i think what every party is doing but there should just be a discussion in the near future it should have happened a week ago really in in the past there should be a, a discussion in the past that should have happened about player comms and what's what is allowed what is not allowed and the thing with Thorin um, for Flashpoint is that he put it like this, that basically, if we were going to release a lot of comms, we would need an analyst in the broadcast, yep. like the production room, and say, like, to be dedicated so that we don't, like, if the analyst thinks that that's not, that's too much info, we just shouldn't run it. And we're not going to hire another analyst to do that. Yep. So we're just not going to, we're going to err on the side of caution, you know, and that's probably, I mean, that's how it should have been for everybody else for Blast, but again they're just they're gonna just push it until it reaches a breaking point which it has the only other alternative i see to that is like if you're not gonna hire an analyst to be like independently vetting it which obviously is not viable for a lot of broadcasts it's like the the other option you have is to only release at least on the live broadcast to only release the parts where teams are like celebrating winning around and they're just going yeah 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 blah blah and then after the broadcast, if you want ask to create teams. shoulder content, ask teams about like a yeah. certain round, like, hey, can we use this with this part of the game? And yes. then have it cleared with the players and the teams. And then you can have manager. it as shoulder content on the next broadcast. You can upload it to YouTube. Like you can do so many other things, but you don't have yes. to have it immediately. That's that there's like so many different ways to approach it. So yeah, I don't a- know. Any any final Good words point. on it? I want to move to our slightly lighter news topics. No final words. I don't know how how far I can go with uh, actually okay. talking about this. All right, Mix, you got your piece out on that? I'm good. Okay, all right. Um, so this is something that's a little lighter and simpler, and it's just simply, I kind of, I want to actually probably do this in the future, just a recurring bit at the end, um, is we look at the HLTV Top 30 and... The biggest thing that sticks out to you, just say it. Like, basically, compare your own mental power rankings with what you see on there. What team sticks out to you as, like, they're way too low or they're way too high? Like, Uh, Cloud9 plus 207? (laughs) Yeah, well, like, okay, so do you think... (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I had to say it just for mix, honestly. Yeah. I, I don't know. This... Seeing teams like MIBR and Cloud9 jump up, like, into the top 25... It just reminds me of when Thorne was talking about, like, or I think there was just discussion in general about the rankings, like, 
teams being able to jump in the rankings based on their invites to certain tournaments, whereas like other teams are struggling just because they're not getting invited to a LAN or they're not getting invited to a certain tournament, even though they've been doing really well, that's like a concern for me at least because you're, you have teams that are good, but they're just not getting the opportunity because they're not getting invited. So they're not going to go up in the ranking because they're not playing against those teams. And it just sort of becomes a revolving circle like that. Not to like, I'm not saying anything about Cloud9 or MIBR. They, they played well in the tournaments, but like, it's just that it, it is a bit of a, a question mark to me to see. Yeah, I don't know. What I don't understand. Like I don't know what, what would the solution there be, though, in terms of like, so like, I'm not like, sure. yeah, obviously, like, like obviously sometimes like yeah obviously for some teams it sucks that like they're not getting invites to, to certain tournaments but obviously certain TOs are gonna want to invite orgs like Cloud9 to their events because that gets viewers yeah and you can't and like obviously you know if we go into a tournament and you know we win matches you know we beat NIP Complex you know we beat these teams like it's not like you can just not give us points because we got invited yeah. there so I do agree that like it kind of sucks for some teams like the like some of the tier two teams some of the teams that haven't gotten a chance but are having to like fight through these fucking qualifiers because i guarantee there's no way we would have like if we were fighting through like every qualifier there's no way we would have like qualified for everything because it's impossible yeah, in online just, cs it's just too hard yeah, yeah. But, but like but yeah that definitely sucks for some things but i don't know really know kind of like what a solution would be yeah i'm not yeah, sure like, the solution for it either but like you only need to do the go through quals once show a good result and uh, you're gonna be Pretty much invited. Theo well, yeah. theoretically, like not true, though. because like if Cloud Nine went through, let's let's just take Cloud Nine as the example. If, Cl if Cloud Nine went through a qualifier for Flashpoint and Cloud Nine went through a qualifier for Blast, if there were one, then they let's say they make it through the Flashpoint one and come in last place, and let's say because they did, and then they go through no, the Blast no, no. one, but they don't qualify, then it's like they're not gonna get any more invites. So I see no point in this in this respect. I mean that, um, for example, teams like that are uh, considered lower echelon that are not getting invites, mm -hmm. if they once go through the qualifier and show a good result, in the future they will have invites to higher competition of uh, tournaments. While while the teams, for example, uh, Cloud9 obviously it's it's, it's viewerships, it's uh, it's viewership, it's hype, it's everything, right? It's it's good to invite, yeah. it's it's good for the community, good for the tournament, and um, the the point I want to make is uh, that at some point these top twenty five to top thirty teams they need to go through a qualifier to for a big tournament to actually show show themselves. They're they're not gonna yeah. go in tier tier one events, uh, right? What they're so you just do it once, and in that one one, one tournament you show, show showcase a good result, finish like for example beat some team like. NIP and uh, FaZe, right? Which are in a slump right now at the moment, right? Uh -huh. And uh, in the in the end, uh, you get exposure as an org, as a team, and in the end, it's get it's getting invites. Maybe not not on the same echelon that you qualified on, but on a higher echelon that you were playing before. So step by step, you're going you're going upwards, but like with the teams that are showing poor result and auto are always. Uh, invited it was always like that and it's not going to change and it's going to be the same uh, always because of the just because of the works and the players yeah just... I, I personally don't see too much of a problem right now with the invites because i think they are carried out by people who know what they're doing in terms of like picking the right teams more often than not like i actually can't even really remember many tournaments where it's like 
that team got invited? Why? But then the only time I feel like that stuff happens is if it's like, 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 uh, there'll be like DreamHack Open Madrid, and then they have a Spanish qualifier, and it's like, why is the Spanish team even here? But it's because they're trying to pick up the local scene for a tournament that's in a certain region. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, think that's, yeah, and that's, and that's that's as well. Like the regional qualifiers are the opportunity for the, as yeah. I said, twenty-five, yeah. thirty teams to actually come in to that uh, echelon of tournaments. You know, yeah. So, so it's working at now at this point. I think it's pretty good because. Uh, in this online era, everybody is uh, really close up to each other, and um, no matter who, no matter who you invite and who you don't invite, uh, it's gonna be really close. And uh, I don't know. So okay, this got kind of off topic of where I was trying to steer this conversation for this, but that's okay. I want to ask the simple question: Do you think Virtus Pro is a rank eleven team in the world, or do you guys think you're higher than that? Do you guys think you are the eleventh best team? Mm. Uh, it's hard to say. We need to show this result on distance. So I can't say that, okay, we won, for example, like we won big OG and Fnatic, right? Like from the big names and Flashpoint. Yeah. Five, six, and 13, right? But you can't put us in above big, for example, or instead of big, because big was showcasing a great result throughout the year. Yeah. While we were we are showcasing the result only for like two months, right? We won the New York and you beat Navi though also recently. And yeah, yeah. Fourth. And... So you beat the fourth, fifth, and sixth best teams in the world. Yeah, now. but I th- I think we just show like continue grinding and continue playing this out for like three more four months, and uh, objectively speaking, we could be top five and nobody would say say a word. Okay. All right. That's a. Uh... That's kind of what I had to ask. Um, I have one more talent question from Potter um, before we move to the question of the week. Potter's question, and it's multi-parts depending on how you answer the first, is Potter wants to know, do you have any pets? Yeah, I have uh, two dogs and one cat. <laughs> okay, well now Potter's question. second part is if you have a dog, could it beat up Device's dog? <laughs> <laughs> He, device has like this small chihuahua, yeah, or not chihuahua, but it's like furry, furry small dog. Yeah? It's a tiny dog, yeah. It's a pretty yeah. small dog, yeah. Yo, yo, my my dogs are fucking aggressive. Yo, <laughs> when, when, when I go when I go out with them, they want beef. I'm telling you, and they, they are girls as well. So I mean, <laughs> girls fight a, fight a, fight a lot. Dude, uh-huh. girl, yeah, they fight so much. Holy shit, bro. Yeah, dogs. and. Uh, so I think it's, if, it, if, if, if it's if it's two versus one, two of my two of my babies against like device dog, no chance for device dog. But uh, one versus one, I don't know. Maybe if the mom. Yeah. <laughs> Your kinder goes into VP and he's already saying no chance, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> the Wait, actually... dogs, they have no chance, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> actually, mixing. No, do you guys have pets? No, I don't. Oh, really. I want a cat I... though. Getting one soon. Oh, okay, okay. All right, I don't have any pets. All right, uh, let's move on over here. Can't believe you, Kinder and I are the only ones with pets. Yeah. Kinogo, what do you what 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 pets you have? I've got a big ass dog that uh, is dumb as a brick, and I got a cat who's as fat as a sack of potatoes. So we could pets. beat up Device's dog. You're saying my the dog cat. would probably just sniff the other dog and then like wouldn't bother. Yeah, I mean, like my cat beats him up, so. 
He's, he's oh. big, but he sucks. He's noob. He's, he's weak. Yeah. Okay. Just a sack. Um, okay, the question of the week is what are the hardest aspects of maintenance for a team that's been together? And I wrote over eight months. Um, so basically, like, after you get over what I would call the honeymoon phase of a team, and even into, like, the stretch of just, like, consistency, what is it kind of, like, towards the tail end that you feel like gets the most difficult at that point? Well, I would say that it depends on how much actually you got involved in uh, getting your game better. So if you actually focused and thought about CS like all these days, 24-7, and trying to improve, trying to do some, uh, do, the results will come if you're like a talented team, obviously, right? And if the results are coming, it's going to be good even after eight months and like more and more and more. And it's not going to stop until you hit that um, part of the time where you're starting winning tournaments, you start practicing less, uh, doing less improvement of your team play, meta is starting swi uh, swi uh, like switching up, people watch your demos to actually steal things from you, know you from inside out, they start raping you, then you go in a slump, and then you don't know what to do. And then you're just, you're just first of all, it's you're like playing eight months without a break, and then, then at the eighth month you're starting getting like destroyed on tournaments, because everybody knows how you play, and uh, and it's like two paths from that side. Either you work as hard as you worked at the start and improve as a team and move move forward. And uh, one thing as well is really important is obviously vacations, uh, yeah. like getting the free time to actually like uh, clear clear your head. And second path is just. Uh, raging on how online cs is bad and if it was one it was would be a lot better and uh, just so the daps uh, path like i don't know the you, what path the daps, the daps path, path. Daps yeah. path. <laughs> oh, he was doing this here <laughs> okay so like, yeah e so either you stay with the rhythm and improve or you're gonna fall down down eventually in the end so you always need to work, you always need to improve. And that's the main point of uh, how you don't go. Um, what What was the problem with Avangar, for example, after what I didn't say is like, if you if you get changes into the team, new, new players, and you fix everything, that's going to get even worse. A lot of more even work you need to do that you not doing because you, th you thought like, oh, yo, Sanji, you're not killing. You're kicked, and you take one more player. But you're not working. You're 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 not doing the same rhythm at the start, and you're like mm -hmm. just. So it's like the third pad, and like you need to just focus on the rhythm. Just do do improvements all all over. Analyze all your games. Always improve individually as a team. Live like a family, and uh, yeah, you're just not gonna fall off after that. I believe. You can also, yeah, I was gonna, I, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, one thing that can be tough is like once you get to that point, like eight months or so, is like you need like the individuals of the team to be like open to like changing certain things, like changing maybe certain spots to you know try to change things around, changing certain roles. Yeah. And if you have players that are like, no, like this is like my best role and like this is like what I should be doing, and so like people just want everything to stay the same, it's like nothing's actually gonna like 
fundamentally change because it's like if you keep everything the same like that like especially like eight months into a team like you're not like you're like no one wants to really change the roles or anything even if you're like <clears throat> so you're really trying to like add new things or you're like trying to like expand your playbook or something like i still feel like fundamentally you're often still gonna be playing like kind of similar mm-hmm. you know like so like unless you're like you need to be you need to have players that are like open to like kind of fundamentally changing some things and you know you, you know why that's happening because uh, at the point where teams start winning, they start believing in their style and they st- mm-hmm. st- st- um, start believing in their roles and their comfort in their roles. And they, yeah, they, and they think that's like the only thing that can be Yeah, do. and uh, that's already the personalities of the players. Mm-hmm. That who's open to criticism? Then, like, uh, I know a lot of players that just don't take criticism they're like yo no i'm gonna play this spot uh, uh, it's, it's all good it's all good if you didn't die on eco there it would be fine yeah, yeah but mm-hmm. like in the macro of the game you you lost the game though like okay i lost that round but in the macro you lost that game but like a lot of people are just not open-minded in that that kind of perspective that's why a lot of teams fall down after that period of time and nick said right you need to change things you need to swift the it's like switch uh, switch up the meta or go with the meta mm-hmm. it's it's kind of interesting because this whole like six player thing that's coming in is also allowing some teams to swap that up rather than like swapping positions yeah. in the server for their players they have another player just come in and take over an entire area or like take over a position and they can change the little macro bits that they do individually as well that's mm-hmm. re- that's really true i think six meta six player is now like really helping a lot on refreshing the um, stance of the team and the just no, no. The team's gameplay and like one more head to to think with your five heads with your six with the coach yeah. yeah like seven heads imagine seven heads thinking about how to improve your game it's just so much i was, I was gonna say i was gonna add like in addition to um like even if like if you have players that like if you so, like, say, like, you kind of, like, hit a slump, like, you know, month seven or eight. Even if, like, on certain maps, you, like, trying to, like, change roles for a bit, you know, like, you have someone different lurking, or, like, you have someone different playing different certain CT spots, you know. If you just, like, even, like, change that, and you, like, you, like, at least try to commit to it for, like, a week or two, or, you know, at least longer. You, like, try to get, like, actually practice with that for a bit. Even if, like, it doesn't work out, and you, like, go back to, like, what you had before, that's still, like, completely, that still can, like, kind of change your mindset on things. Yeah, and, like, it, can, yeah. it can give you, like, a total refresher. Yeah. It's like, uh, you remember the time where Dupree was main opping for Astralis? Mm-hmm. So, like, <laughs> why did they do that? Do that? Because, <laughs> because that just, yeah. why the fuck not? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, but just calling for a bit. Even when yeah. even when Glaive was back on the team, they took a while to reintegrate Glaive as the caller, so... Exactly, imagine, yeah, that same, like, that same they never place. had was... Magis calling, and Glaive was already calling, but now imagine Glaive seeing the calls that Magis can see the difference between two players calling, the team yeah. improves. Yeah. The two in-game uh, in-game leaders improve. Right. And all this. This, is, this is something I remember Fnatic doing, like in 2015, back when they were um, in between the two major ones. There was a bit where Pronax actually wasn't calling, and Flusha was actually calling for like a couple tournaments or so. Kind of like in between their major ones, I'm pretty sure, because Pronax was just kind of like worn out or tired, and so. And just VP or the old Virtus Pro, the Polish VP, they just swapped everything yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like yeah, they were. Just all the time, yeah. 
Dude, they would play the same one map and like they play like three different, completely different CT setups in the same map because just because they could, I, I noticed sometimes. They're just so we like, go from like main opping to playing like the main B anchor spot. <laughs> just like we can change these laps. Like, all right. I thought new. it was like, I remember watching a game on train where it's like, you know how Taz is, was famous for playing B? It's like they just sometimes yeah. took him out of that spot. And I was like, yeah. okay, this is, this is, you guys are just doing everything now, aren't you? Yeah. Like, you can, you really can just do anything you feel like. A month or two, and then like you put him back there in like three months, you're like, dude, this guy's insane out of there. Yeah. Just holding, exactly. just holding every site. Yeah. Um, okay, I think that's, I think that's it. I think that's going to be the conclusion. Kinder, do you have anything you want to, you want to shout out here? Shout out to Flashpoint for a great tournament and shout out to all the fans for Sweet. supporting us at this tournament. And yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me here. Cool. I can't believe you just shouted me out as your fan. That's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mix, you got anything? Uh, shout out to Floppy. Sweet. Just Floppy. Yo, no one else. Ricky, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> He's, right, he's probably right. won't even watch this, but I'm just gonna shout him out anyways. <laughs> okay, note. Uh follow me on Twitter. That's about it. Nothing Pro- else to shout out right now. Pronogo, our producer, what do you got to shout out? Shout out devices dog. <laughs> <laughs> um I'll shout out a couple things. One is just, of course, we have the Patreon still. I'm going to restructure the Patreon rewards because I feel like they're really weird and boring. So I'm going to get on that tonight before this podcast is released. So I'm going to restructure that. It'll look better. I'm also going to shout out uh, the person who's doing the artwork because I'm getting a custom thumbnail and Twitter picture for this episode. So follow her on her Instagram, which will be in the uh, description of this. That is Marissa. And shout out to Potter, Haka, Anders, and Bardoff for coming up with questions for you, Kender. Thanks, guys. And shout like out to... Like, just, just search up Marissa on Instagram. And no, no, no. Talk. It's going to be... That's just her name. And like she's going to have her... She, her Instagram is in the description of this video. It'll be in the description of the video if you guys like her artwork. Because she did the art, she does the artwork for the it's server time thing as well. So check her out. Um, and that's it. Uh, thanks, thanks for coming on again, Yakinder. You were first repeat ga- guest, and you are our best repeat guest. So thank you so much for dropping. You're also by. our worst repeat guest. Just saying. Wow. Why? <laughs> Yo, mix. Uh, kind of talk. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna send his dogs after you next one. He's gonna get. <laughs> I'm saying this. <laughs> All right. <laughs>